Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Pipeline Superheroes podcast, where we feature B2B SaaS founders, operators, and investors. Your host is Grant Cohen of Bloom Growth Studio. Today, we have two guests, the co-founders of Arch, Himanshu Sahe and Dhruv. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Lovely. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. It's it's spring all the way, all of a sudden in New York. I know we're, I'm on you, we're both in New York. It's uh, 80 and humid. It went from uh, sort of winter right to, to summer, but I can't complain. No, I'm not complaining. I was walking my dog today and just a beautiful day. Yeah, it was good. And everyone's outside. It's just, there's so much energy too. Um, cool. But we're not unfortunately here to talk about New York weather, even though that's a fun topic. You two recently started a company called Arch. You raised uh, a seed round. Um, I think you started it last year in February. So I'd love to understand the story of the company so far. Yeah, definitely. Maybe Himanshu, if you want to start with your background, I can give mine and then jump into the genesis of Arch. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, I come from primarily a, a consumer social background. Um, I'd like to say in the past life, um, I was on every app on your phone. Uh, so the Snapchat before this, uh, doing ads, uh, 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 as an engineer, um, spent two years at Bird, the scooter company. Saw it from like a very small company to blowing up and then going all the way back down. So that was a fun part, right? As well, <laughs> all the way back down, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I was a tender before that as an engineer as well, um, building Gen Z products. And I think, um, along the way, uh, just as a lot of people in tech have done it, um, and I always had a curiosity, started investing in um, in startups. Um, and just other alternative assets. Um, and Dhruv did the same. That's actually how we met. Um, I was investing in startups, um, LPing funds, um, investing in crypto, et cetera, and kind of saw the same problem. And I let Dhruv like, talk about the problem a bit more. Yeah. Um, and so my background is in fintech and financial services. Started my career at a hedge fund called Bridgewater. Was there as a sort of quant on their, on their research department and then left them to join a fintech startup called Brex early on where I spent a couple of years across a variety of different departments, but mainly focused on launching and scaling lending products. And along the way, as Himanshu just alluded to, we were both investing in quote unquote alternative assets and came across the same sorts of problems. And we saw this both personally as well as the folks around us, which was if you were going to traditional financial institutions for some sort of a loan, whether it's a personal loan, mortgage, you would either just get denied or get a lower sort of credit limit than what you would typically expect just because you have a portion of your portfolio in these assets that the institutions don't understand. And so that was what prompted the genesis behind Arch. And what we're really working on in our, our mission and vision is to become the one-stop shop for all financial activity for individuals with alternative assets. And what that really means is over the long run, anyone that has these assets will do their lending and borrowing with us. They'll do investing, um, have like their cash invest in treasuries, as well as tax advisory, a whole suite of sort of services so that any of their financial life comes onto one platform. Till date, we've been working on the lending product. And so in January earlier this year, we launched the crypto lending product, which allows individuals to come and take a loan against their crypto portfolio. We've been onboarding customers every month, have a handful of loans outstanding, um, and have a wait list of folks that we're slowly accepting um, as we move on as well and are just looking to continue scaling that product as well as launch 
other products throughout the rest of this year, which we can get into. Yeah, we'd love to learn more about that. And by ways of expository, we'd love to you know give the audience an understanding of what are alternative assets, because I think probably a lot of folks have holdings in cryptocurrencies. And I guess this goes sort of into your point about product, like the expansion of the assets themselves. But maybe you could give like a brief definition of that and, and sort of where Arch is going as well. Yeah, certainly. Um, so I'd say alternative assets broadly, you can think of under a variety of buckets. I would group things just outside of the typical stocks and bonds. And so here you have like cryptocurrencies, equity and privately held tech startups. If you are an LP or an investor in a venture capital fund, a private equity fund, a hedge fund, you have art collectibles, even real estate falls into this category. And so I'd say it is uh, quite a broad set of investments, but that's roughly what we're talking about. And for us at Arch, when we think about lending, the goal that we're working towards is having a single loan or a line of credit against your holistic portfolio. So while we accept cryptocurrencies as collateral today, in the next few months, we'll be enabling equity and privately held high-value tech startups, as well as real estate and other asset classes, so that you can just come to us, show us your whole portfolio, and take out a single loan seamlessly um, and securely. And I think mm -hmm. uh, it helps to, uh, to compare this to something that exists today. In the world of private banking, um, if you are above a certain level of net worth, typically 10 to 15 million, uh, you can go to your banker and say, hey, I have all these assets. Uh, give me one line of credit against it. So it, it enables a lot of uh, financial progress and flexibility for someone who has that level of asset base and has assets that the bank would agree to see. Typically, they don't look at equity in privates or crypto. So that's where we, uh, we're coming in and filling that gap. Yeah, that that's fascinating. That makes a lot of sense. This is definitely one of those things where I would have probably incorrectly assumed it existed that you'd be able to to lend off crypto because it's part of your you know net worth as it were, but really fascinating. Um, also, okay, so uh, how does the valuation process like if I'm valuing those assets, given that like some of these alternative assets might be a little bit more volatile than I don't know cash in the bank or big public stocks? But even as I say that, I, I understand that there's some volatility in, in public equities as well. So curious, like how that changes or doesn't change the challenge uh, of you putting this together and, and creating the loans. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, def uh, sure. So uh, it's uh, it's definitely a challenge on the underwriting front, but um, it's also all through data. Um, everything in crypto is, um, is on-chain, it's publicly available, uh, just like it is in stocks and bonds. Um, so, you, so you can underwrite stuff with a, uh, a, a an LTV threshold um, and you can have interest rates vary based on the data you're seeing. So uh, we pull continuously a bunch of data points, including uh, the 24-hour liquidity um, uh, of the token we look at, the market cap we look at, like uh, other qualitative metrics as well, like uh, whether it's an algorithmic stablecoin, which we wouldn't do, whether it's like a shit coin like Doge, which we wouldn't do it uh, either. Um, and then we also look at, um, uh, at regression analysis on longer periods of data. So if you're looking at 90 days, 180 days, et cetera, um, over different periods of time. Yeah, could you please explain to the audience what shitcoin means? And no, I'm just kidding. Like that's you can assume that. <laughs> um, cool. So it looks like there's a lot of really exciting stuff in terms of product roadmap. I mean, you know, I don't have to explain this to you. How many different sort of alternative assets there are? I came across one company. Oh man, I'm blanking on the name, but they were like really alternative assets, and it was like the ability to invest and get a fractional share of 
oh man, what was it called? But like you could get like a sneaker, like it was like a really expensive Jordan sneaker, and you could Rally. invest in it. Yes. No, Rally. Otis. Otis is what Otis. it was. Okay. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then I had some share. Rally. Yeah. I had some shares in a Charizard card that didn't really appreciate in value because there was no liquidity in the market, which, you know, I think is why they ended up selling themselves, but really interesting idea. So I, I guess that's like presents, you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to raise, you know, get a loan to buy a house with enough Pokemon cards, but maybe you could, you know, if they, if they were valued suchly. Um, I mean, so, uh, there, there, there yeah. have been Pokemon cards that are, you know, this was something I learned after starting this company, but there are Pokemon cards that are worth seven figures, you know, and so yeah. oh, for you, sure. if you think of like even a, uh, a fraction of a loan amount against that, that is more than enough to get you a home in many parts of America. Value exists where we all agree it exists. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, teach their own, so to speak, but yeah, really fascinating stuff. But also curious, uh, you know, given that this is a growth focused mar- uh, podcast, would love to understand what your go to markets look like so far in terms of finding assets, clients, uh, you know, whatever other kinds of institutional partners you may necessarily need. Love to understand the, the go to market so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, can, I can start with a high level approach and then Himanshu can add on with, with further detail. So the way we think through grow to market is really in three different phases. One is brand. The other one is more so marketing and the third is partnerships. And we've been sort of exploring all of these fronts. So within the partnership side, we had a partnership last week with Zen Ledger and are actually pushing a further partnership with BitGo uh, in the coming weeks as well, who is our custodian partner. These, if you can imagine, are other companies that have overlapping customer bases, but serve different sets of products. And so for us, it makes sense as a natural partnership there for both our customers to learn about the other offering and for their customers to learn about Arch. On the marketing front, we've been exploring newsletters. We were in the Milk Road earlier this week and we'll be again next week. We were on the Defiant for much of last month and more of these sorts of like channels, as well as I would put in person into this category as well. So we're having a big attendance at Consensus, which is at the end of April, um, to really find our our customers in person. And in terms of brand, we're slowly putting out more and more content for just about alternative assets and personal finance in general. So we have uh, a blog that we maintain and and write on. We have a podcast that we're continuing to sort of turn out content on so that our customers can continue to find value and think of us when they start thinking about anything financially related. Those are at a high level, the sort of channels that we've looked at in terms of marketing and growth. And then the last thing I'll say is we've seen word of mouth be incredibly valuable for us. And so each one of our existing customers has brought on at least two other folks that should come and use the platform. And I think it's just intuitive with this sort of customer set where a lot of higher income, higher net worth individuals are often sharing interesting financial products with their with their friends and with their network. Yeah, I think uh, another thing to add here is uh, we're operating in a space that has had a loss of trust in the past year. Um, a lot of big crypto lenders have lost a lot of people a lot of money and have shut down the past year. So people are understandably a bit uh, scared um, and want to see a level of security and level of trust. So we are positioning ourselves as the company that fixes a lot of the issues of last year. So um, a lot of companies last year failed because they were taking customer assets that were in uh, in custody and lending them out or doing something else with them. We don't touch customer assets at all. 
Um, and we're uh, really talking about our trust and security focus. We work within regulation, not against it. Um, uh, and we don't cowboy things here. So uh, that's been our focus in our messaging. We really want to communicate that, hey, like we're doing things the right way. There's still a lot of value in in getting more out of your crypto and the market is on the way up as well. So um, it's, uh, it's a hedge against uh, a lot of different things. Um, in crypto, you could uh, diversify uh, in other asset classes. Um, so yeah, that's been our messaging. It's been really interesting to see, as Drew mentioned, on the, uh, on the word of mouth front, people come to us from that really strongly because they trust us, because someone they trust has told them about us. Um, and then when we meet someone in person, when we do in-person events, um, like we're both speaking uh, at consensus. So when we do stuff like that, people really trust us because they know that we have something valuable to say and they know that we have something uh, interesting to offer based on that value. Yeah, and I think that um, like definitely part of the volatility in crypto or any alternative asset is because folks are trying to sort of manipulate the the changes in prices or at least utilize those for liquidity. And it creates unstable situations where folks are leading themselves towards, you know, more taxes than they would get on interest on their loans because they're constantly buying and selling what should have been longer term assets. Um, especially as a lot of these, you know, especially when it comes to pre IPO, it's like, it's the classic, like, challenge of founders who go into secondary markets. And I'm not saying that like founders that have really valuable secondaries is the perfect use case for that. But I just find that like, you know, adding more liquidity towards folks just gives them a lot more financial freedom, which ends up like, you know, in, in my interpretation, at least is probably one of the, the missions or one of the great outcomes um, of the Arch platform. Yeah, I would say that, that's right, right? Like debt legitimizes any asset class. Um, if you, Even if you think of real estate, right? The fact that people can get home equity lines of credit when they need capital as opposed to needing to sell a, a house enables them to hold these assets longer. And that's really the mission that we're all about here is enabling individuals to continue to own the assets that they have so that they can continue to generate wealth there while being able to tap into the liquidity that they may need so that they can go and you know do other things that they need to in their life, make other investments, purchases, handle expenses without having to sell their assets. Cool. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and what else is next for the business? So you're expanding into new markets. The event sounds great. The product uh, developments. What's like the vision as you you know think about the next few quarters, even next few years? Yeah, I think our goal really here is to build a tech-enabled private bank. Um, our customer base is currently underserved, um, and I think a lot of people fit into this bucket. If you notice in the past 10 years, um, the, the amount of, uh, of allocation pe people have in their portfolio for alternative assets like crypto, equity, and private companies, real estate, et cetera, has increased uh, to an unprecedented level because of platforms like Robinhood, like AngelList, et cetera, where you can go invest in these assets very easily, which you couldn't do in the past. Um, so all these people aren't currently being served by the financial system and we come in and we want to uh, go help them and provide them an ELOC, provide them other financial products, really be their one-stop solution with a beautiful experience like you have in, in personal banking in Europe or business banking uh, in America. So that's our vision. We, like, we want to be there for these customers as a tech-enabled private bank with a white glove service. And uh, we're adding on asset classes, adding on uh, products and adding on more services to really fulfill that vision. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, 
in terms of semi, maybe like to, to shift it back to the here and now, like some of the early adopters of the platform, where do you find, um, like, does it matter? Like, this is sort of like a not fintech knowledgeable question, but does it matter or do you have any impact over what people uh, raise the loans for? Is there like sort of an ideal customer profile there or can folks use these loans for anything? Yeah, folks can usually use these loans for anything. That being said, we see a set of use cases that are most common, and I can walk you through those. The first is to make other investments, whether that's other crypto assets, buying stocks, putting the down payment down on a house, what have you. The second is to handle larger expenses that have come up in one's life, such as a tax bill. The third is really to handle day-to-day cash flow issues. There are certain segments of folks that are constantly invested in the markets and as a result, borrow against them just to handle daily liquidity needs. And then the last one is really debt consolidation, whereby there might be individuals that have a large asset base and have debt and other higher interest rates and borrowing against those assets is a way for them to consolidate all the debt um, and lower the interest costs in general. Perfect. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I think that's it's very interesting and a great emission-driven company. Um, and by ways of wrapping up, what we like to end every podcast with is sort of an ask and gives for the community. If you have anything to offer, anything you're looking for, now's the time. I think the one thing we have to offer um, is, you know, reduced APRs on, on loans for the individuals that are interested. Um, in terms of ask, if you are anybody that falls into or is curious about alternative assets, falls into our target segment, please do reach out to either Himanshu and I. I think maybe Grant, we can work with you to link our socials or, or contact Absolutely. information yep. in the show notes. Um, but we'd love to have a conversation and just learn more about you, your use cases, and see how Arch may be able to, to serve you in the future. Yeah, it's really simple. You can find us at archlending.com and you can email us at himanshu at archlending.com or zero at archlending.com. Uh, we're here to answer any questions. Um, if you want to work on a special rate, we can do that as well. Uh, but definitely here to support your needs. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'll include all of this in the show notes, of course. Um, and I'm sure folks will reach out. But thank you both for the time today. Likewise. Thanks, Grant.